Well, today we're going to wrap up our sermon series called Kingdom Come, all about the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus taught about. This is what his ministry was bent toward uh, throughout his entire time here on earth. He was pointing people to the kingdom of God. He was helping to usher in the kingdom of God. And it's the reality that we are created for and reconciled to God for in how we live out our lives. Uh, this worldview is based on some foundational truths that we've touched on throughout this entire series. Jesus is king. Our prayer and therefore desire for this world because Jesus is king is that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So some of you remember the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you grew up in church and you said that every Sunday. And there's that line in there that Jesus says, he teaches how to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's what the kingdom of God is. And we've been talking about what that looks like. As citizens of the kingdom, our rights and responsibilities come from God's word and we tend our soil so that might grow within us so that we might become more and more like Christ, that he might increase and that we might decrease. As disciples, we are attached to the vine who is Jesus and we're expected to bear fruit. And that comes from our obedience to God's commands in our lives and, and the self-sacrificial love that Jesus models for us as we, we use that same type of love with our relationships with other people. And finally today, we're going to be talking about the partnership we share with Jesus as he reigns as king because each and every one of us are given a job in the kingdom of God. It's one thing to recognize Jesus as king, it's another thing to follow his rule, and it's still another thing to partner with Jesus as he reigns as king. Because we're all given a job, and every Christian is called to the same position. Now some of you, if, if you're a Bible reader, you might hear that and say, well, ho hold on, what about Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and the whole, like, hey, in the body of Christ, there are many members and everybody has a different function, even though they're all valuable, you know, that everybody's got a different thing that we do. And that's absolutely true within the assembling together of believers in the church. We all have our own specific function that we take place in the body, and for the body to be the most healthy that it can be, all of its members need to function as they are designed to. However... There is a role, there is a job, a position that we're all called to fill that encompasses not only who we are within the church, but outside of the church as well, because the kingdom of God is much more expansive than just our gathering together in the local church as an as a assembly of disciples. And because we're talking about the kingdom of God, the job that we're called to engage with has to do with the governance of the kingdom. Uh, first thought, you know, when we think of governance is this is built on power, it's built on control, because that seems to be what most people are vying for. We want to make other people do other things, or we want to be able to have the ability to influence other people to be the way that we want them to be. However, like we talked about last week, God is already in control. And so that's not what our efforts are bent toward. It's not to establish power and control over other people. God is already in control. So our efforts are in honoring and glorifying God by following his commands. And the power that we're given to wield is self-sacrificial love. And the combination of those things brings us to this position that we all have. And that is we are all ambassadors of Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes this, starting in verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore 
Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. In other words, you and I are God's representatives, just as if he had sent us as he sent Jesus. Now, granted, we are not Jesus. We are not perfect like Jesus. We don't exude the same power and control and wisdom of Christ. However, we are tasked with the job to be Jesus to other people. There are a few different ways that people have attempted this and, and, and done this somewhat naturally and somewhat intentionally as the years have progressed. Uh, lots of different ways that people have approached the role of ambassador, uh, but not all are created equal. Here, here's, one, here's one. Let me share a couple and I'll share the, the one that we're called into. Some people are brand ambassadors. Some of you know what I'm talking about. If you're on social media, you've got people who are influencers and they're all wearing, for some reason, you know, they're all wearing Nike or they're they're all using, you know, the same, same type of thing. It's because somebody has hired them to, as they're going about doing their influencing, whatever, whatever, whatever that means, um, you know, they're, they're, they're also promoting these particular brands. And so they're they're a brand ambassador and say, Hey, look at this person. Look at Tiger Woods. He's an amazing golfer. If you wear Nike products, you'll be just like Tiger Woods because that's exactly how it works, right? We all have, it, have that experience. I put on a Nike shirt, and when I play golf, I hit the ball just like Tiger Woods. That's exactly how, how, it, uh, how, it, how it starts. Now, it all start, started with product placement. You guys remember, I don't know if you, when you first became aware of this, and, and your whole world, I'm sure, was shattered. You know, in movies and TV where it's like, oh, man, they sure talk about Subway a lot in this movie. I wonder, man, I want to go get Subway. That's all intentional. You know, they're paying for that to be in there because they're trying to influence people to go to that specific fast food restaurant or everybody's using, you know, iPhones on the TV show or everybody's using Apple computers or everybody's driving a Ford vehicle. That's all intentional, all on purpose because someone has paid for the benefit of having their product placed in that shot. All right. So we have people who are brand ambassadors. Hey, I use this thing and you, you should, you should use it too because, because I use it. I don't know if I'd be that great of a brand ambassador because I wouldn't accept promoting just any brand. I can be pretty, I'm going to say particular. Um, some people in my family might say picky. I, I think particular sounds a little bit nicer, but, but there's some things like it matters to me what brand it is. And so when, when cereal is purchased, for example, it, it doesn't, I mean, not the same cereal doesn't taste the same. Are you, are you with me? So the brand name cereal, like Honey Bunches of Oats, can I say that? Like, do we get paid for that? If I say, if I say, I just kidding, just kidding. Um, if it's that, okay, good. Like it tastes good. But if it's, I don't know, bunches of honey oats or, you know, whatever the off-brand, you know, grocery store thing, I can taste the difference. I don't want it. I can't remember the last time I had box macaroni and cheese because Renee makes homemade macaroni and cheese. And it's delicious. It's wonderful. All the kids love it. I love it. It's, it's fantastic. But I, I'll just go ahead and tell you, if it's not the blue box of Kraft, like I don't, I'm not in. Like, I, I don't want Velveeta. Um, if you like Velveeta, no perfect people allowed, so you're, you're fine. Hopefully you didn't make that for the picnic. T- I'm, I'm just kidding. I, I'm, totally, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. I will eat whatever macaroni and cheese is there. Um, you know, but I don't, I don't want an off-brand, you know, of, of craft or that kind of thing, because I can, I can taste the difference. I have a refined palate, you know, so I can taste the difference between different box macaroni and cheeses. Um, over the last decade, I've come to discover and just kind of admit, you know, I, I have a sweet tooth, and I've come to discover, I, I don't think I actually like birthday cake. Um, 
I don't know if that's a, a, a wild revelation or not, or at least store-bought birthday cakes. Um, I like Ucrop's birthday cake. And, and that's it. Like, if there's birthday cake from, I don't know, I'm going to say other brands, Publix or Costco or that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm not in. Like, I'll just, I'll skip the cake. I'll go straight to the ice cream. I, I like Ucrop's birthday cake. So I, I, don't know, I don't know if I'd be a good brand ambassador just in general because I wouldn't shill for just anybody. I mean, it's got to be some, some pretty specific stuff. Because it's natural for us to have preferences, it can be pretty easy to get caught up in a brand of Christianity versus being an ambassador for Christ. And so a particular brand of how people approach Christ or a a, a particular brand in how people choose to worship on a Sunday morning, for example. I had a job at a Christian bookstore called Heaven and Earth. Uh, This was in the Mall of Virginia Center Commons back when it was a mall, a, a long time ago, apparently. Um, they had all kinds of Christian-branded stuff. And it, fa- it was always fascinating to me what people would buy just because it was branded as Christian. Like, it'd be the worst music in the world. But because it's Christian music, by golly, you know, we're going we're gonna to pick that up. Um, all, kinds of stu- all kinds of stuff marketed as being Christian. Uh, but then you also had your denominational-specific stuff, too, where you had even sections on the bookshelf, like, well, this is for people who believe, believe a specific way. This is for people who believe a spe- specific way. And, and look, there, there's absolutely a need and space for Christian content, and I've never had a problem with that. Uh, but one of the things that I realized is that that had almost become the means to, the end, uh, means to an end for a lot of Christians. That if I buy Christian stuff and I use Christian stuff and I have Christian stuff on my bumper, you know, I have the Jesus fish on my car, then people will know, you know, who I'm for, that, that I'm a Christian. It's kind of a consumer-based kind of mindset that doesn't actually lead to ambassadorship. When an ambassador is representing their leader in a foreign land, the, the mission is not based on what we consume and what our preferences are but it's built on faithful obedience to the one who is being represented. And how we feel about what we're consuming and what preferences are met in our lives are not nearly as high on the priority list as whether or not we are putting the work in on helping other people be reconciled to God, because that's the mission of us as ambassadors. And there's this growth process that takes place when we recognize this as our mission that moves us from brand ambassadors, AKA brand consumers, to ambassadors of the covenant relationship we have with God. There's another approach that people have taken throughout the centuries as well, and that is one of cultural ambassador. I've seen this most acutely when I've been out of the country on mission trips. I've been, to, I've been on a lot over the years. One of the ones that sticks out in my mind from, uh, for this particular reason is the time that I spent in Ghana, which is in West Africa. And we went to a village at one place, and all the kids in that village, I mean, we were, there were four of us, and we stuck out in, in West Africa. We, we stuck out because we were white, all right? So, so we were, I mean, for some of those kids, we might have been the first white person that, they, that they've seen. And so we're, we're walking through, and we go through, and, um, and, and they all were calling us the same thing. We're like, what, what is going on here? So we, we talked with the people that we were with, and they translated for us, but they were calling us Quasi Bruni, all right? Um, and we're like, what, what in the world is this? Because they're calling all, they're all yelling at us, you know, they're laughing, they're having fun, and all that kind of stuff. What, what's going on here? And, and the people that were, that were with, the, um, the, the local uh, missionaries that we're working with said, well, they're calling you Sunday white guy. It's like, 
okay, so is that, like, is that a good thing? Like, what, what's going on here? Um, and and the, the reason for that, so, so in Ghana, um, one, of the, one of the first names that you can have is the day of the week that you were born on, okay? So that Kwasi meant Sunday, and Bruni was shortened for a, another term that basically meant white guy, because what happened is pre-20th century, when white people first came to the country, it, the way that they interacted with the people of Ghana kind of led to that that nomenclature. So whether people were coming in as missionaries or maybe they're coming in as traders, um, and, uh, and then later uh, along as slave traders, the time when people in Ghana actually experienced any kind of goodness out of those people were only on Sundays because that's when they were focused on worshiping God. That's when they were going to church. That's when they would, that's when they would give them some, some, some money to the poor because they were trying to you know, do their thing for God just on Sunday. The rest of the week, they're trying to cheat them out of their gold, and they were selling them into slavery. And so there, there came this, you know, over time, it's kind of like, well, you know, that's, that's when the white guy comes out, and he's trying to get us to follow Jesus. You know, that's when he's nice, and that's, you know, so that's where kind of that nickname came, came about. And this is an example of where it becomes super important to make sure that we aren't simply advocating for a particular cultural expression of faith, faith, versus the entirety, entirely different kingdom of God, which supersedes and encompasses culture. Because the problem was, in the initial interaction, was that, well, you're acting one way during the rest of the week, and you're acting completely different on Sunday. What's up with that? Like, is that really what following God looks like? And unfortunately, that has been some of the cultural ambassadorship that has been given from, from the church. Some of the other ways that we miss the mark are other external expressions of a connectedness to God that may have roots in tradition, some of which can be good, but no foundation on God's commands. Like, we come in and we say, you know, what, what's your, you know, what do you have to wear when you come to Velocity? Clothes. You know, please, that's why we say, please do. Like, put on some clothes. But do you have to have certain clothing on? No, you, you don't. Like, you come in and, and, and be here and, and worship together. Do you have to have a certain type of building? No. Do you have to use certain type of symbols in your building? No. Do you have to have a steeple in your... No, you don't. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. I don't know. We'll strike that from the, from the online uh, stuff. Uh, do you have to have a particular style of music or a particular type of art? No. Do you have to engage uh, with kingdoms and countries of this world only on their terms? No. Do you have to accept seismic cultural shifts that undermine how God creates us? No, because we're citizens of a completely different kingdom, and we're not here to perpetuate the cultures that we're naturally born into. And so one of the things that I've seen throughout missionary work is that, and this is not true of every missionary, but what can happen is sometimes instead of going over, and, and this is not just from Americans, this could be somebody from any culture, any country. This has happened throughout church history. Instead of going into that other place and, and trying to share Christ, culture has been shared. Because in order to become a Christian, well, you've got to become the right version of Christian, right? So you've got to be an American Christian, or you've got to be a European Christian, or you've got to be, you know, this kind of thing. And that's something that's, been, uh, that's existed throughout, throughout church history. In my experience, it always seems easier for people to have a clear idea of what to do and how to go about their faith and how, how about, go about living and when they are in a different culture, like on a mission trip, um, to, to represent Jesus. Because I, I think what happens is, and this is a good thing, and this is why I w if I could um, 
I, if I could afford it, I would send everybody on a healthy mission trip um, because I think we need the culture shock and we need the perspective of how we naturally live and how we experience life isn't the only way. And that, and that the kingdom of God engages in and encompasses and supersedes all of those things to bring us together into this global big C church kingdom uh, that is much bigger than we could possibly imagine on our own. And so I think we need that perspective because it's interesting to me that I've had way too many conversations with people who've been on a mission trip. It's like, I get over there, man, I feel connected with God. You know, be, why? Because you have to rely on him. The, the culture shock of, oh, this is a completely different space. Like, I don't, I don't know the language sometimes. I, maybe I look different from everybody else. I mean, it, it makes you uncomfortable. It gets you out of your comfort zone. And you realize, like, I, this is a place in which I need God. And when, you, when people come back home, they're like, oh, I don't necessarily feel the same way, and it's not as easy. It's because, it's because we're not as disciplined and because we're distracted by what's comfortable and what's normal for us, even though what our natural culture might be m- might not be exactly how God has called us to live within the kingdom. And in fact, as disciples of Jesus, we've been called to live counterculturally when we follow God's commands over whatever natural culture or normal culture that we've experienced in their life is. Probably the most egregious thing we do um, if we are ambassadors of a particular culture over that of Christ is that we really try to do our best to blend in at home, which is not what we're called to do, and make other people look and talk and act like us when we're away from home, but that's not what we're called to do either. Because this world is not our home. And there's no culture that we live within that represents the culture of the kingdom. Jesus, when he's questioned by Pilate in John chapter 18, this is right before his crucifixion, Jesus says to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. So there would be a political battle here. There would be a cultural war here. There would be a society, you know, that we would be up against and and fighting. And this, that would be our goal. But Jesus says, my kingdom is from another place. Your king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And rather than blend in with the world around him, Jesus, without condemnation, except for those who should have known better, the religious leaders of the day, allows his testimony of the truth, who is God, to be how the world experiences and knows him. And he lets the chip, chips fall where they may. And the world has been changed ever since. But much of humanity, while experiencing the benefits of that change, are disconnected from the change maker. And thus, everyone who is on the side of truth, who is listening to Jesus, is called to become ambassadors of the same mission that Jesus was and is on. So rather than brand or cultural ambassadors, we're called to be missional ambassadors. Now, this is intentionally repetitively redundant um, because everybody who's an ambassador is already on a mission. But I think we forget that sometimes because we get distracted by our own stuff. The other things that we have going on, some of them are really good things. Some of them are really bad things or circumstances, situations that we find ourselves in um, that maybe we forget about the mission because life either becomes too comfortable or too overwhelming. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we are on a mission as ambassadors. The passage that we read at the beginning of the sermon this morning, we are on a mission as ambassadors to speak and live the message of reconciliation. Because we've been reconciled to God as disciples of Jesus. Now we live and speak in such a way to help others be reconciled to God. Helping people find Jesus and love God is our mission as a church because that's the mission Jesus was on. And that's the mission we've been given as ambassadors. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, this is one of the final things that he shares with his disciples, and it includes us as well. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Making disciples by helping other people reconcile to Jesus. That's, that's the mission, the position all of us are given as disciples of Jesus. There's one other place this word ambassador is used. In this, so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul uses the word ambassador to describe who, who we are, our role, our position within the kingdom of God. There's one other place that he uses this. Right after he talks about preparing ourselves to withstand against evil, he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. When we recognize Jesus as king, when we live so that God's will might be done on earth as it is in heaven, no matter what outcome we face in the foreign land that is our existence, wherever we find ourselves geographically, as ambassadors, we declare the message of the good news confidently, boldly, and without reservation because we know that whatever the outcome that we have testified to what is true, and that truth will reconcile all things back to God. Unlike any other power that exists, God is not fallible, and the commands that fulfill his mission will not let us down. The kingdom of God is introducing the kingdom of heaven on earth, and our greatest sense of joy, our greatest sense of fulfillment, and purpose is found when we are a part of those moments where heaven, heaven is touching earth. I've shared this quote uh, a couple years ago uh, before, but I think it bears repeating. It's one of my favorite, favorite ones for perspective and this worldview that we have as ambassadors for the kingdom. This is from N.T. Wright's book, Surprised by Hope, which I recommend. Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. And somewhat um, bizarrely, admittedly, God makes that appeal through us, through you and me, as his ambassadors. Formerly sinners, all of us, now reconciled to God, those of us who've become Christians, said yes to Jesus, have gone all in, have been baptized, disciples of him. We're the ones with the diplomatic immunity. And because of that, we can either take one of two paths. We can either take the path of impunity, where we kind of put ourselves at a distance and we say, ah, oh, we're just kind of waiting for heaven. And we'll just kind of hang out. We've got our ticket punched and we're, we're kind of above all the rest of this. And we'll kind of sit back and wait for our time to be with Jesus. Or we can take the path of community in which the relationships that we find ourselves, are, we are cognizant of how we are helping others be with God. As ambassadors of Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, of course, we create glimpses of heaven and life with God. That's what we're called to do. That's who we're called to be, where our daily prayer is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, where our daily devotion is pointed to our Savior and our King Jesus. 
a couple Saturdays, Saturdays ago, I think it was a couple Saturdays ago, um, Renee and I um, and the kids were able to uh, take a day trip back to her hometown for her grandfather's 90th birthday. Uh, so pretty cool to be able to hang out with him. We got to see a lot of family that we hadn't seen uh, in, in quite a while. Uh, got to talk to every, everybody while we were waiting for the food to get there because the caterer had gotten lost. And so uh, we had plenty of time to hang out and enjoy each other's company. Finally, the food got there. It was put on the table and everybody was kind of gathering around. They said, hey, we're going to pray and we're going to have food. And so everybody kind of make, make their way. And our family was out in the living room and there were a lot of people there. So we kind of spilled over and weren't going to crowd in, you know, with everybody else. And so we're kind of hanging out and everybody makes, makes their way to the dining room. And um, as we're hanging out and kind of waiting, waiting, all of a sudden I hear, where's Rob? And uh, this has happened before, and, and it always kind of takes a split second for me, you know, because where's Rob? Anybody seen Rob? Like, where, where is he? Somebody find Rob. So I hear this happening, and it always takes a split second for me to realize what's going on, because I'm never expecting it, but it, it's happened enough times that I know it's coming. I'm getting asked to pray for the food. All right, so it's from Renee's family, right? Keep this in mind. A ton of people there. I don't have a clue who they are. Um, it's, a, it's a big crowd. There are a lot of people. And I'm completely not prepared for this moment at all. And I know some of you are thinking, come on, man, it, you're, you're just praying for the food. Like, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Trust me, I've been in too many small groups where I've asked for a volunteer to pray, and I see how you break eye contact. Like, I know, I know how you feel about praying in public, so I, so I get it. So allow me, allow me this moment to, like, not, not, being too, you know, not being too comfortable in this place. While I've known the family for over 20 years, it's not like I have this super like, close, intimate relationship with all of the extended family and friends that are there. So to me, this is this really big honor and not one that I expect is coming, but between us, like, we know why I was asked to pray, right? Because I'm the pastor, right? Let's get the professional Christian to do it. Like, he, he's, he's right there. We got one right here, you know? Uh, let's take advantage of it. Now, of course, the reason pastors are worthy of honor, you know, in situations like this is because we have a direct line to God because we are incredibly holy people. Um, for those of you that don't know me well, that's, that is sarcasm, uh, just, to, just to throw that out there. But that is kind of the idea, though, right? Ah, we get the pastor. Like, he, he's, the, he's the representative. Like, he's the one out of anybody in this room, you know, for this birthday party. Who would we get to, like, really connect with God in, in this, this moment? Um, great honor. Like, I don't, I don't want, especially if Renee's family might listen, listen to the sermon or something. Like, an amazing honor, um, really, really cool uh, moment. To, to be, a, be a part of that. But I want to let you in on a little secret. Pastors are not the only people for whom representative of God is given. And um, we're not more holy than you. Um, part of who I am in my job is calling, but the larger part of that, like just, just want to be honest and clear and blunt, it's just willingness. It's just, just willingness. And God calls all of us, I mean, Christ calls all of us to be ambassadors of the reconciliation, the, the forgiveness of sins, the self-sacrificial love, the, the, the life we were created for that God offers to us in becoming disciples of Jesus. 
We're all members of the same body. We all are different parts and we all have different functions and we need to you know, function in a healthy way together in the body of Christ, but we all have the same role in the kingdom of God and it's representing all of who Jesus is to everyone. And, and the largest part of that is just simply being willing wherever we find ourselves and wherever God has us. We're in a foreign land. This world is not our home and we are ambassadors of Jesus. Naturally, we can fall into the role of brand ambassador, cultural ambassador, because that's a little bit more comfortable and normal for us. It's something that the rest of the world kind of gets, gets into based on what, what people worship and what people are focused on in their lives. But it's willingness and purpose that moves us into being missional ambassadors of relationship we all get to enjoy with God as Christians. The best ambassador for God's kingdom for the people in your life is you. It's not me. It's, it's not this group of people. It, it really is you. Don't get me wrong. We all partner together in that, and we all become a part of that as a, as a church and within you know, our staff's roles here and all, all of those kinds of things, absolutely. But the best ambassador for the people that you meet in your life is you. You are the person who God has called to represent Christ and his desire to let everyone know that God is ready to welcome them with open arms, with all of his love and with all of his grace and with all of his mercy and with all of his rightness. May we all participate in the kingdom coming into the lives of those around us. And so I want to encourage you this week. This is the the takeaway. This is the practical thing. I, I want you to think about one person this week that you can intentionally be Jesus' representative, as if God were making his appeal to that person through you, as 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says. And consider how you might be able to share a message that is consistent with who God has called us to be with, with that person. It could be a message of encouragement. I'm not saying it has to be, hey, by the way, you know, you're going to hell, you need Jesus. Like, that, that is not what we're talking about here. Right, But what we are talking about here is saying, hey, I, I just want to let you know, like intentionally, this is how I see you because I know how God sees you. And just share that with that person and, and see what, what that does over time as we intentionally uh, recognize ourselves as representatives of the message that God has given to all of us. That is who he's called us to be as ambassadors in the kingdom. Let's pray. God... Um, I don't know why you choose to work through us the way that you do, because we're broken, we mess things up, um, we, we don't get it right every time, and yet when it does come together, when we are willing and we participate, uh, it creates some of the most beautiful moments that we can ever experience. And, and those moments um, lead, lead to an eternity of moments that we get to share with you. And so, God, we, we need your Holy Spirit to guide us, to help us... Um, to give us the wisdom we need, the words that we need, to be fearless, to be bold, to be confident, um, to be able to share your love, your glory in the lives of the people of those around us. God, we ask that you help us to remember that we are ambassadors, that this is a foreign land for us, um, for us to not become too comfortable or even too uncomfortable because we know that we live in a kingdom that is far different and far better than any in this world. God, we praise you for that. We honor you in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen.